You're listening to Healing Voices Project, where we share stories and the latest information from people who fight addiction every day. I'm Mike Torville, your host and author of Voices from the Fallen. Thank you for listening, for following, and most of all, for sharing with people you care about. Make your voice count too. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Healing Voices Project. We're glad to be back. And today we have our friend John Shea here. John is a young man in recovery to share his story. And John uh, currently works for the Michael J. Diaz Foundation in Springfield. And we've we've had a lot of work we've done with the Michael J. Diaz Foundation. They're a wonderful group of people. And we're glad to have John Shea here to share his story, talk about his experiences and and how others can be encouraged, motivated, inspired uh, by what he's gone through, and more importantly, uh, what he's doing now with his important work as a recovery coach at the Michael J. Diaz mm-hmm. Foundation. So, John, John Shea, thanks for coming. Appreciate you being here. Yep. Thanks for coming in. Um, so, as we said, we're, you're here to, to share your mm-hmm. story, and we've just gotten to know each other a little bit through Adam and uh, Karen at the Michael J. Diaz mm-hmm. Foundation. And uh, you've been working there now for a couple months. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm actually not a recovery coach there. You are? No. No. I'm a, one of the assistant directors okay. of operations there. Well, that's good to know because <laughs> you were a recovery coach. I was before about a year, <laughs> for about right. a year beforehand. Yeah. See, thanks for that correction. Yeah. Um, so you were a recovery <clears throat> coach when you worked at the BHN yeah. and, and now at the Michael G. Diaz Foundation. Um, you've had a, a story that's taken place over, oh gosh, 20 plus years. Right, um, because your 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 story that that how things developed started when you were young, um, and we'll I think we might as well if we're going to start we might as well start at the beginning, right? What what transpired, what happened, how you uh, what what changes occurred, and what brought you to where you are today. So I guess if we were going to begin at the beginning, you were um, a young teenager when things started to change for you. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think uh, the the first time I ever um, got drunk or so, I was probably like 13 or so. 13, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, um, I mean, there was alcohol in my house growing up, and it was pretty common. Yeah. But um, I was hard to get my hands on it when I was younger. So, you know, as soon as we could. Um, did the same thing. Did the same thing. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah. Uh, we, at teenagers, right, it, it's just there, and you, you're trying mm-hmm. to hide it from your parents, and, you know, and mm-hmm. all that. Um, so when you were out, you just started drinking more at 13 and hanging out with your friends and, and that's how you got your alcohol from yeah i mean we would pretty much like <clears throat> try to steal it from our parents basically mm-hmm. try to steal beers and um wasn't that hard as to often do? as we could yeah. no it wasn't um <laughs> <laughs> but um i mean that was most of my teenage years was trying to get alcohol or trying to get weed and trying to get cigarettes that was the three biggest things for my teenage the years big priorities then right absolutely yeah yeah forget about school that's Put that on the back burner. Did you make it through school? I ba- I did. Yeah. I got. I barely. They. I. I got out with straight D's. Straight. So <laughs> straight oh, D's. Wow. I made it. I. F- I got my high school diploma. You did. And that's all that matters. All right. So. Well, <laughs> at least you did more than some. Yeah. That's good. You got through that. Um, but I'm sure during the high school, with those priorities, uh, after high school, now what? Right. Mm-hmm. What happens now? Um, did you didn't? Did you? Did you go to work or did you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I worked. Um, 
took one of the first jobs I had was a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Um, worked at a few um, a lumber mill for a while. I had lots of different jobs. Um, it was like a professional temp. I just went to like temp agencies mm-hmm. and um, keep a job for the longest one I had then was about a year. And that was a long stint of employment for me at the time. Um, I was good. At, I got really good at um, um, interviewing for jobs because I would get fired from so many. You had a lot of practice. Yeah, I got lots of practice. <laughs> yeah. So I got I was pretty good at filling out resumes and um, do, doing that whole thing. Well, when you go back, not to interrupt you, but you said you if you got fired a lot, was it due to the drinking? Directly, absolutely. Really? Yeah, yeah. No doubt about I that. I mean, I would just come in. There was a few times I'd come into work uh, just completely drunk or hungover. You know, just. You're usually not in a good, uh, you're not usually happy, mm. very hungover, so it wasn't a very great employee. Yeah. So it was pretty easy to uh, get fired. But you kept going. You just mm-hmm. kept going and get another job, and same story would just happen, and then you'd get another job. And years went by, right? I mean, you just went in this mode. Did things just level off? Did they get worse? Um, yeah, I mean, they... Um, I met a girl, and I we lived together, and were together for almost like four years or so. And I ended up, I moved to the South, uh, Georgia, for a while, and mm-hmm. then Tennessee for a little while. And um, I mean, my drinking definitely progressed quite a bit um, to to like hard alcohol and drinking, um, you know, bottles of whiskey all day and just smoking weed all day, and um, you know, whenever party drugs were offered, that type of thing, and. Um, <clears throat> I remember um, one day she said to me, um, I don't mind if you drink, just don't get drunk. Which doesn't make, to me... Defeats the purpose. Yeah, yeah, it makes no sense in my mind. Um, But I tried. I did try for about a day, and um, Mm -hmm. it didn't last. Um, So then she, you know, had to get kicked out. She kicked me out, which was nice of her, which was definitely um, very helpful for me to... um, Because I needed people to, like... I can't let people just completely justify it and, um, you know, enable me. So I really needed those people to uh, kick me out, basically, <laughs> and be and not accept. You but know, it didn't my, always my work. Behavior. If they ke- you found, you kept going. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never. Didn't really work. No. No. Um, and let's go going back a little bit more. When you were growing up um, mm-hmm. in your household, I think you were, you were the youngest of three kids. Yes. Yeah. And um, your parents, your mom and dad, siblings were all in the house together. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else in your family, or were you were you the one, or was was the, there were drinking in your household that that helped you? I mean, that too. Well, alcoholism just runs in my family okay. in general. So I had um, um, my father, both of his brothers, um, and both my uncles died from alcoholism. Um, have um, both a your, sibling? Yeah, both my uncles died from both alcoholism. Both your uncles. Yeah. Um, wow. And, um, you know, it's on my mother's side as well. Uh, my mother, she's not really much of an addict. She has a lot of mental health issues, so um, she would act like one, but she didn't need drugs or alcohol to act like one type okay. of thing. But it's yeah. not her fault, you know. Um, yeah. I realize today, like, it's it's nobody's fault. Right. You know, they whatever happened in their lives brought them to the point where they were There's there, all kinds of things. Could be know? trauma or different experiences right. and so on. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, so, I mean, I was pretty used to it. And a lot of, like, my childhood friends, they had the same type of household, so I kind of thought it was normal mm-hmm. at that time. Because um, it's what you, you were surrounded with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it would have been, I'm thinking, abnormal if, if you encountered 
a place where that didn't happen, yeah. you probably mm -hmm. would have been uncomfortable. Yep. <laughs> yes, I remember. I you know when you bring that up, I remember I got yeah. met. I was dating a girl when in my early twenties, and I met her family, and um, they were very nice people. Yeah. They were very very nice people, and we're having dinner, and the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like thinking like, who's the one? <laughs> one of them is sick. One of them has a problem. I know it. But there's there can't be. They they're all so nice, and so. It was, it was abnormal even to you. It was abnormal to me. Yeah. And um, I realized that like, I was the one. I'm the one that was <laughs> out and of place. And that finger went around the table like came yeah. back at you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Um, but that's what happens. You, you're, now you're un you can be uncomfortable in a situation where you can't partake, mm -hmm. right? And that's what, what happened. But, so that relationship didn't last. No, no, no. No. Um, and I jump back, and I'll jump forward again. When you were back at, at work and doing jobs, you're um, in your 20s, uh, you had anything that, you know, um, uh, experiences that gave you some harsh warnings that you need to stop? Anything like that happen at all? Yeah. Um, I think maybe I was 22 or 23 at the time. I had, I had rolled a car. Um, I was driving drunk, and um, the car flipped over a few times, and... Um, I slipped out. I just I jammed my thumb. That was the only injury. I was very, very were you, lucky. Were you the only one in the car? Yeah. My friends, um, I had some friends. They were in a car ahead of me. They wouldn't drive with me, obviously. They they had, you know, a <laughs> better, um, they had some hindsight of what would probably happen. Um, but, um, and I tried to get them to help me push the car on the wheels because I had to go to work in the morning. But um, it was like uh, leaning on a tree. Um, but the whole car was completely smashed. And you thought you were going to take it to work the next day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your judgment wasn't too impaired, was it? A little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're fortunate, obviously, that to come out of that alive and with a small <laughs> injury. But um, you had another crash too, didn't you? You hit a rock. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a week prior to that, I just put a car up on top of a rock. It was the same car, and um, yeah, the the police were actually they were there. They helped me get it off the rock, and they let me go home, which was nice of them. They gave me a freebie. Um, you know, <laughs> how about the following week when you the rolled following it? week did you rolled. get a freebie then too? No, no. <clears throat> um, well, actually, um, I needed to get the car on the wheels, so I thought I should get um, a tow truck. I get a tow truck to hook it up, and they'll flip it on the wheels. But this was like a long time before smartphones, and I don't memorize tow truck numbers, so I call nine one one. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I tell the operator, um, I need a tow truck. Don't send the cops. No cops. Oh. Um, and um, the cop gets there, obviously. Really? So surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so I make, um, you know, I don't make the the best choices. Drunk, obviously. Well, what do you think would happen if somebody says, "Don't send the cops"? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on. You know, Twenty-two years old, and I don't, <laughs> and drunk, not making great choices. No, no. Um, but you, did you go to work the next day? Um, yeah, actually, I think I did. Um, Without the car. Without the car. My neighbor um, worked at the same place as me, so I could still get to work okay. the next day. And I had a second vehicle. Um, and at the time, um, it was like a first offender's law, so I lost the license for a month and a half. So I didn't really feel like it was a big deal, you know. Um, so it didn't really stop me at all. It didn't, didn't slow didn't me down. Didn't disrupt your life? No. So you kept drinking? I kept drinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you... When we talked earlier, you said you were drinking pretty heavily, like a bottle of whiskey a day. Is that mm -hmm. is that about right? That's a lot. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't think it was. <laughs> it wasn't one day I started to drink a whole bottle all at once. It was you know, progressively it built up into, you know, a whole bottle. Um, it took it took it took took years to get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. But you build up a, an intolerance, right? Yeah. 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 Or actually, a tolerance, not an intolerance. Yeah. You built a tolerance. I built up a tolerance, <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a fairly big dude, yeah. so I, you know I yeah. could drink a large amount, and yeah. um, I really like whiskey and water. So I was also drinking a lot of water at the same time, which mm-hmm. helped, you know, drink more. <laughs> not not great choices, but wow. um, that's what that's what what my brain was. Uh, that was the path I was going along. Mm-hmm. But during that time, <clears throat> um, did you think about where's this going? Where's this taking me? Or just you just rolled along with it? Nope, I didn't really think about like. Where I was going to be, no, I didn't really, I didn't have much foresight. Okay. It was really just like, right now, <clears throat> I need to, I need to drink. I need, I need to use something. And was it just drinking? I mean, for the most part, it was, it was alcohol and marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, if any of drugs were ever offered, I definitely took them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was, it was mostly uh, alcohol all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, during that time, and for, for years it went on. You had friendships, relationships, jobs. Anything endured through all of that? Um. Um, yeah, I mean, I had. All, I mean, kind of. I mean, I at the end, I was I was living with a, a friend of mine who I had known from high school. Yeah. So, like, you know, even though um, when I when I moved to Georgia and Tennessee, that type of thing didn't obviously we weren't friends then. He stayed up here, um, but I ended up was uh, living with um uh, him and there was kind of just like a group of people that I had known when I was in my early 20s that mm-hmm. were in the same town um, and we're all kind of doing the same things from a you know a decade prior so it definitely made it easier for me to um, this was after I had just moved back up from Georgia and um, so I just kind of moved into this one room and started drinking and going to work and that was pretty much all my life was at the mm-hmm. time drinking and going to work and that's it and you you were like you said functioning kind of yeah going to work um you worked in the hvac business right at the time yeah um i was uh, i was hvac service technician and it's easy to um to kind of be a functioning alcoholic in in any trade really and um yeah and i was i had had lots of practice of driving drunk so i (laughs) I was very lucky i didn't get to lose my license um, during that time, because pretty much every day I was drinking and driving every single day. Wow. Well, looking back, you got to say, how the heck did you make yeah. it through, right? Yeah. Um, but things went that way for a while, and then and then you you had some issues. Whether it was something was changing, you went through a little depression, or you said you had just had given up or at least you said at one point it led you to the point where you said I, I just can't take this anymore yeah you can talk about that a little bit um well so even from like my childhood there was lots of uh, lots of trauma and mm-hmm. lots of things that um how I was raised was you just you don't cry you know, if you hurt yourself you just walk it off type of thing mm-hmm. and um and maybe it was a cultural thing or it's just where how I was raised but I definitely had no intention of talking to a therapist or talking to anybody about 
what's going on type of thing. So I really, you know, bottled up a lot of a lot of pain uh, for a long, long time. And um, it just kind of developed and turned into um, like every whenever I would, you know, explain any of these things to a doctor. <coughs> at the end, I did talk to a few different therapists. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> that, um, you know, they all said that you've got um, rapid cycling bipolar 2 disorder and um, this complex PTSD and you're hypersensitive to, to just anything. And um, I don't know, I mean, everything, when I, when I read all these symptoms down on paper, read it about, it's like, yeah, that, that definitely seems like me. That's definitely a very much a, this is all a picture new, of myself. Because you had never been one told this before, right? Yeah. So this is all... Uh, did you recognize, say, yeah, okay, or were you surprised to say, is this a bunch of BS? Did you? I mean, I lied to myself for a long time. Yeah. So, like, I knew something was wrong, uh-huh. but I just, like, I'll just put a mask on, and I'll go to work, and I'll, I'll try to act like I have a normal life. I'll try to do the things that people expect me to get a girlfriend, you get married, you do all these things. So those were, that's, like, I got, you got to do these things and have a family, and, um, so, but I just had all this pain that was just um, eating me up, and um, so, uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know, at the very end of my uh, uh, drinking, the last few months were the, definitely the worst, and um, I had a, a failed uh, suicide attempt. It was very bad. Um, that was the day of uh, sober. That was the day without alcohol. So I didn't realize like the alcohol and drugs. That was just that was my solution. That was my crutch. And that was that's really what was getting me along, and. Um, so, you know, which is, which is rough, and that was something that I didn't want anybody to know about. Like, I don't want to ever share that with anybody, ever, ever, ever. And um, I just, I really needed to. I needed to talk about that um, many times, and I've talked about it, like, in great detail a bunch of times. And um, it was very, very helpful for me, because today it really doesn't have any effect on, on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I just... But you fought it. You resisted it for a long time. Yeah. And that was working its way through your whole yeah. uh, system. Um, so you said you attempted suicide, but obviously failed at that. Failed. And yes. said, um, okay, what happens after that? Um, um, I remember, <coughs> um, I don't really, you know, that after that there was like, I knew I needed to talk to somebody, so then I was like, I have to get a therapist mm-hmm. and uh, really do do that. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll... That, you knew you needed something. Yeah. yeah. And um, this is even before COVID, and it still took like two, two and a half months to get somebody to even talk to. Um, and now I know it's even much longer to, to get somebody. But, um, and it, you know, then the last couple of months of my uh, drinking and drugging was... It didn't really work. I was just like blackout drunk every single day type of thing. And it got a lot worse um, before it got better. So, um, and then when I got a therapist and um, start talking about these things, and it turns out I'm, you know, I'm not very special. Um, this is pretty common. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it started to get better. Um, you know, it definitely, um, it took a while to um, feel happiness again. Um, definitely wasn't overnight. But um, through the therapy, mm-hmm. were, did you continue drinking? I did up until um, uh, one day <clears throat> I go there and I was I drank a little bit. I was really trying to stop. Um, I was trying to stop on my own. Yeah. Which, I mean, I could get like a week or so of white knuckling it, as we call it, 
and um, I'm just you know very it's just very stressful and really really difficult to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, then I said to him that I you know I can't keep drinking because um, I keep blacking out, losing big chunks of time. You <laughs> you couldn't stop. have a little because you would just continue until you yeah. blacked out. Is that yeah. how that went? Yeah, yeah. And um, I told him that I can't uh, smoke pot because the same stuff that makes one person calm and relaxed. I am the opposite of that. It didn't really matter the strain, and um, the cocaine um, smells awful, but it tastes great. Um, it's really expensive, and I cannot afford to eat cocaine all day. Mm. Just can't. And um, I was trying to manipulate him into an Adderall prescription. Um, it's pretty easy. Um, but um, I didn't get that. And then I said, uh, maybe this Friday I'll get some molly and acid. And I'll candy flip all my, I'll candy flip my problems away. You're just going to play with the chemistry <laughs> until you <laughs> think you got it right, right? Yeah, use a bunch of drugs yeah. and that'll reset my brain. Yeah. And um, that'll fix all my problems. Mm -hmm. you know, that's what was my thinking. And um, he said, maybe you should go to uh, rehab. And I said, no, I can't do that. I've missed a week of work of the psych ward visit. If I go to a month of uh, rehab or detox, I'll get fired. I know it. The other thing about that, um, mm -hmm. was your job, were they aware at all of your situation? Um, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty obvious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they were aware of it, but you said, no, I, I don't, didn't want to talk about it with them or take time out to go. No. I mean, I still, like, even... After the psych ward, as soon as I got out, I went right back to work, okay. and I continued with the job. Mm -hmm. um, I still managed to go to work every day, um, and um, I didn't like mess anything up terribly. Um, I did manage to keep the job um, for another year and a half or so after that, until um, right. I left. But um, yeah, I mean, there was it's in the trades like like majority of the people that I worked with were functioning alcoholics. So it wasn't anything that was kind of uncommon. Mm -hmm. So, but the other aspect of this is if they were functioning, but you were trying to find your way out, and you were mm -hmm. going through therapy, and you considered rehab. Um, it, was that also common, or was it that they were hiding that and and not forthcoming about that as aspect of it? Well, I know if I did go to them and ask them for help, they would have uh -huh. they would have given me help. Okay, um, I just. I was priced that I really wanted to do it on my own. I still had that, that thought of, you don't ask for help. And I didn't really want to talk to them about their problems. It was just pretty obvious type of thing. Yeah, and that's so common. That's why I asked, is there, is there any, was there anybody at work that you were able to talk to about it honestly? No, not really. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> not like honestly. Like, I mean, it was pretty obvious I had a, I had a problem. I wasn't, I didn't drink at work, mm -hmm. so I wasn't showing up to work drunk. Okay, yeah. Just like, clearly he had a very bad weekend, and okay. <laughs> <he's> the, <laughs> something is not right with him because he is not acting normal. It's okay. Something, it's a huge shift in his personality, mm -hmm. and um, he appears to be very depressed and very unhappy, And um, but I was still going to work and finishing. Doing stuff, the job. Doing yeah. the job. Yeah. Type of thing. Uh, and as therapy continued, um, you started, you, you, it was a, a sudden day or was it just a gradual, how did you stop? I mean, there's, there was an end point to, to your drinking. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, like I was saying the day I, w I went to him and I was, I was being honest with my therapist about like how I was feeling and what was going on in my life, not so much about the drugs or alcohol. Okay. So then when I did <laughs> tell him those things, he suggested I, I go to uh, a meeting. Yep. And um, 
he told, told, told me I should go to a 12-step type of meeting. And um, I didn't want to, obviously. That's a lot of gas to go to all these meetings. He wanted me to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And um, it's a little disruptive. That's huh? a little bit disruptive. Mm. It's a lot of gas to drive to all these places. And um, he says, you can afford all the drugs and alcohol. You can afford the gas. Which is a great point. Which is a great <laughs> point. I had nothing <laughs> against that. Yeah, um, right, right. So, and then I just kind of started doing that because, mm -hmm. you know, at the it's hard to argue against that. That yeah. you know, okay, if I can <laughs> give up this, then I'll have the money to do that. Yeah, right. It takes away that argument. So you just started. You decided to say, okay, I'll give it a try. Yeah. So you went to your first meeting. Mm -hmm. How'd you feel at that first meeting? Um, the the very first meeting, um, I felt it. I was like thirty years younger than everybody in the room, and um, I just judged the whole room. I really. Took everybody's inventory, and um, I thought I'm, I'm too young for this. I got to get out of here. Did you think it, you don't belong there? <laughs> I don't belong here. I didn't. I didn't drink or use any drugs that day, mm -hmm. and I did feel all right there. I did feel safe, and um, so and that was I didn't. You know, it was the first day in a long time. You know, when I woke up that day, all of my intentions and everything I was thinking about is tonight I'm going to end up at some meeting, and I don't know what it's going to be like, type of thing. And um, the next day I go to one that was at Amherst. I lived in Amherst for a short while. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was a five-college town. There's bound to be somebody that's around my age. Mm -hmm. And um, I go to one that was like, it was packed. had like 40 people. Um, and I was one of the older people at it. And they were like, <laughs> "Wow, <laughs> you know, they were younger than me. And they're having fun. And they're you laughing. You just can't get this right, right? You're yeah. either too old or too young, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, and they were like just having fun and like a lot everybody was laughing and having long conversations and like that's not what I thought that caught you off guard a little bit yeah a little mm -hmm. bit yeah I didn't think that's what a meeting would be like uh-huh so made you made a, a change in your uh, attitude a little bit and very much so yeah I mean my perception of what it would be like is was I was wrong okay. as it turns out yeah <laughs> <laughs> for the first time thunk, right? and, um, yeah yeah, yeah. So you kept going. Um, yeah. You you went and kept going, and then didn't look back on the drinking. I mean, you, uh, did you have some challenges, that difficulties that you, you had to overcome through all this? Like you said, you'd white knuckled it. Yeah. Is this where you were at then too? I mean, when I when I first started going, I was still, I wouldn't talk at all to people. I was so I was so just like my arms are crossed. I was angry. I was just, don't come anywhere near me. Don't. I didn't want anybody to come anywhere near me, and. Um, so they didn't. <laughs> Every now and then, <laughs> the signal worked. Some yeah. of them would come up and ask and talk to me, and they, yeah. you know, they wanted to get to know me. Um, but even then, it was just kind of like I would go to that one meeting and then wait a whole week to go to the next meeting, and um, it, I would literally just say, "Wake up." I'd go to work. I'd come home and then wait until I could go to sleep, and uh, just pacing around, just um, oh, the lunatic. Um, so. You know, without um, a drug, or a drink or a drug, I just get worse. That's basically my, my problem is I don't really have much of a problem with alcohol and drugs. I'm really good at it. I know how to do lots of it. To not do those things is that's where my issues start. Um, so, you know, without like, and for me, just going to a meeting wasn't really enough. I really had to get involved and participate, start talking to somebody. Yeah, and, yeah. S and that was a huge thing for me at and I was like 29 at the time, to say hello to somebody. <laughs> that was, at the time, you know, that you don't think that would be a huge thing. It's a big step, though. Just yeah, 
without, yeah. without a drink or drug. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you, you persisted with those meetings. You kept going. Was there a time you said, to hell with this, I'm going to stop? Um, not for, I mean, there was a few times, but it was after I got kind of really involved with it. Um, I ended up getting somebody to, to kind of help me with um, the, the program that's involved with the meeting, and um, that was very, very helpful. And um, I got really involved with it. There's times where you, it's, it's like um, people expect a lot of you after you kind of get it and you start doing it. Yeah. And um, they, they want, they would, a lot of responsibility can rest on your shoulders sometimes. Yeah. But, um, and, that, and times like that, like there's been times where I've been going to a meeting, I said, this is it. I'm all done. I'm not going to this meeting anymore. Screw them. <laughs> Nobody's staying sober. I'm the only one doing anything at this thing. Mm. And, um, you know, afterwards, usually there's some, usually have some great experience at, at one of those meetings. That usually, every time, usually when I have some feeling like that, I have some great experience at it where I kind of get revitalized and doing it. Yeah. And, um, you know. And you, you went through all of that. And I remember you said your, your life... Almost immediately, you noticed some changes that you were feeling better, mm-hmm. um, more, more clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, how did your life change, uh, and how did you sort of get back to um, being able to function without, mm-hmm. without alcohol? Well, I mean, it's really as soon as I start got involved and um, asked a guy for help with it, did that that um, the craving to to drink left me and. Um, um, after a while, like, I don't know, I made, I made lots of friends. Yeah. I've got, you know, prior to um, getting involved in, in a, a meaning, uh, you know, a 12-step organization, I um, didn't really have any friends. Yeah. I had a couple of people that I'd known for a long time, but after that I ended up, you know, lots of, lots of friends, and um, that sounds weird, like a, not boasting to have lots of friends, but it is just kind of a byproduct of it. Sure. Of, of just end up. A, but it was a, all new friends now, right? Yeah. Because your old friends, to hang yeah. out with them, they were drinking, so you had yeah. to. And they're not bad people. Right. They just I can't be around all right. alcohol drugs. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you know that happened. I started to. Um, I ended up getting a lot of acceptance for myself. Mm-hmm. I stopped having a lot of uh, resenting myself. That was that was pretty huge, and um, you know I. That's when I started to kind of forgive, uh, you know, a lot of my family, and um, realize like, well, they're hurt people. Hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. and um, it's not their fault, type of thing. And that definitely helped spilling over in just other aspects of my life. That okay, well, if if my boss is a very difficult individual, he's obviously a hurt person, and it's not his fault that he's he's here like that today. So it definitely gave me a lot of acceptance of of others, um, and um, I think. Uh, you know, I think I was about a year, year and four months sober or so when uh, COVID struck. And um, at the time, I was living with a few other people in uh, recovery. And um, it was very, di- I mean, it was, I was very, very um, fortunate that I was living with people that were also um, sober and staying sober. Because if I was alone, it would have been, <laughs> there were so many people that relapsed when COVID happened. There was, we had like a 30% increase of uh, overdose mm-hmm. deaths. Yeah. Um, and um, and I definitely got, I got a bunch of different jobs. I had yeah. gotten this one job where I was uh, 
at a summer camp and when I got to work I got to live on a, um, a lake for like a year and a half which was cool um, and I got to I read a lot of books and stuff and sat um, a lot of isolation but I learned the difference between like isolation and um, I forget the other word that I was looking for but it's a really cool word <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it, was, later. <laughs> it was a good it was a really good time um, and then um, I ended up leaving that job and I, I started working as a recovery coach and um, for about a year, I worked as a recovery coach in Springfield, and um, that's a very difficult job. You were a recovery coach with the Behavior Health Network, yes. is that right? Yeah. yeah. And you, did this idea just come into your head, or how did you become a recovery coach? Um, well, uh, when I moved back from, I was in the Berkshires at the, the uh, summer camp job, and I moved back, and I was living with my father for a while until I got on my feet, and um, I Googled recovery jobs in Springfield. Mm -hmm. and. Um, <laughs> Filled out an application for a recovery coach. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks later, they called me. I did an interview, and they hired me. Yeah. And, um, you know, the work in, uh, you know, the everything you do in, like, a 12-step um, a meeting definitely it spills over into recovery coaching pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but that can be a very difficult job because a lot of people have worked with a lot of people that weren't, didn't really have problems with addiction. More, more of their problems were homelessness. And, Try to explain to somebody that perhaps you know you should not be homeless. I'm trying to talk to people that are living outside, um, which is difficult because a lot of people would prefer that. And um, I don't think you know no, most people don't really know about that. That there's a no. large amount of people that prefer. That's something outside. we could uh, we could have a whole another session talking yeah. about oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and maybe we will. <laughs> um, but that recovery coach job that you did do, you were there doing that for about a year and a half. Now, going back, just by the way, because I know it was 2018. What was the last day you, you had a drink? October 24th, 2018. 2018. Okay. So mm -hmm. four and a half years now, anyway. Just about. That's yeah. great. Um, and that recovery coach job led to where you are now. Talk yes. about your job now. Yeah. Um, so, so my job now... Um, we have uh, uh, three sober houses, two sober houses, and one is kind of like... Um, is that the uh, Michael J. Diaz? The yeah. Michael J. Diaz Foundation. Yeah. And um, it's been great. Um, we have uh, a couple houses um, with full of guys, and they're all people early in recovery. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the houses are 12-step focused and because um, we know that we know it works. And um, it's been a great experience. Um, you know, now I kind of get to mentor guys and... Um, it's a really, it's difficult to, I also have to be like kind of a disciplinarian, so that's kind of difficult to be like, hey, clean your room, you. It's <laughs> like the thing sometimes, it's like, huh. I should really clean my own room sometimes. <laughs> I'm on my door, but you clean your room, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but you enjoy the job. I enjoy it very yeah, much so far, yeah. They're great people there. Yeah, they're very great people. Yeah. I'm really, really glad to be a part of it, and um, it's a bunch of people that really care about um you know, people in early recovery, and they want to give them a safe place to live and a safe place to recover mm -hmm. and to work on themselves. And, you know, if you had to, and I know it's such a simple question, if I just say, if you had somebody who was going through what you went through 10 years ago, and if you had them for five minutes, what would you say? Now you could say, well, everybody's different because everybody's treatment, one treatment plan doesn't work for the other person. Mm -hmm. But if you had a... a, a, a a, a message to give somebody if you just grab them to the side what is there anything you would say to somebody who was going through what you went through then um, <clears throat> I don't really know what to say um, 
it's nobody's fault. You know, it's not your fault. It's not your parents' fault. You know, but it's your responsibility to work yeah. on it, though. So. Well, one thing you can say, um, I think, I'm not going to say it for you, but um, how, how different is your life now than it was 10 years ago? Now, um, you know, 10 years ago, I drove cars that were always falling apart, and I lived paycheck to paycheck, and I don't really have, you know, I have a car payment today. <laughs> I never thought in my whole life I would have a car payment. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I'm really grateful that I get to be able to have that, and it's not, like, detrimental to my life. And, um, you know, that's just kind of a physical uh, measure of, of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I have a lot of peace and ease myself, and I can, I can sit by myself and be totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, my life is really nice. No longer have the desire to drink? Not at all. That's great. No. Well, great. Well, um, I think there's always people who can, who can learn from you. And I, again, Michael, Michael J. Diaz Foundation, which is mdiazfoundation.org. Is that the website? Um, yeah, I think so. I believe so. We'll verify that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not a word. But, um, but, John, I appreciate you, you sharing your story. And, yeah, we, we'd love to have you back because I'd love to talk about some of the other things um, you could dive into a little deeper. But what you've shared is, is helpful. And um, I think it's, it's great. It's inspiring, especially what you've gone through and, and now what you're doing and helping other people. And I think you'd be great at it. I could just tell oh, that you're good. Thanks. <laughs> so pre appreciate that. So, again, thanks for coming. And um, we'll be talking real soon. All right. And thanks, cool. everybody, for listening. Um, we'll be back soon. Thanks again. Bye-bye.